0: Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel.
1: We know you'll be blessed by today's message.
0: Hallelujah. 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 Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you. Where would I be? Where would any of us be without you? Where would I be without the Dufranes? you rescued my life by giving me a father by giving me a mother you put jet engines on my future and I thank you father for this company there's nothing like this company I've never seen it anywhere else maybe other companies have the same thing I don't know but I know that Peter said let us he went to his own company after he got out of that prison and I thank you father for this company and for what you would have this morning I thank you, Lord, for revelation to flow like a mighty river and for encouragement to come up from within them and for revelation to come up from within them. And I thank you, Father, we yield our vessels to the anointing and to the Holy Ghost, that Jesus would be glorified in all things and lifted up high in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank, thank you for your... Pastor, his words are t- too... Too lofty and too high, they're above my pay grade, what she just said, but uh, so touched and honored uh, so i I always have a maybe a good idea always have a sermon ready, you know, in season, out of season, so I had a sermon ready just just in case you know and uh, and then when she asked me, and my heart stopped beating uh, fast and I Stood up, because I passed out, stood up. And uh, I said, well, I know what to do. I got the sermon. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, no, you don't. Not that one. So I went to my backup sermon. Always have a backup sermon. Always. (laughs) And the backup sermon was pretty good, too. And uh, it's a good one. You'd enjoy it. I enjoy it. And he said, not that one. And I said, Lord, don't play this game with me, please. I don't like this game. It's okay when I'm in my church, you can do whatever you want, Lord, and put me on the spot, but, but not, not, not in front of my general. You understand? You, you know. But uh, he, I just heard the Holy Ghost say, What have I been saying to you over the last, uh, since January 1st? Since January 1st, a phrase has come up, and I said, Lord, I can't preach that because I don't know how to preach that. It's not a sermon, it's a phrase. And I don't know how to fill the time, and I don't know how to put meat on the bone. It's a phrase, it's not a sermon. And he said, just, just I'll talk to you a little bit, just wait on me, and so I did, and he did, and thank God for that. So I'm not exactly sure how this is gonna come out, but just please, just be nice and smile, even if you don't like it, just, please. Just, just be nice. I'm a foreigner, you gotta be nice to foreigners. <laughs> you the law, yeah, we're a sanctuary city, and 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 the law of Moses said if a stranger comes, you got to be kind to them. So, whether you like it, anyway, uh, I heard this phrase, and I've heard it about 500, maybe a thousand times since January 1st. At just dozens of times a day, it just comes up out of my spirit, uh, in the spirit and power of Elijah, in the spirit and power of Elijah, in the spirit and power. Of Elijah yeah. and so I did a I, I've, I've so this is kind of his two halves to this first is to talk about simply uh, what we have who we are uh-huh. and the second half is to talk about uh, how we can be skillful with that and things that will try to rob us of that yeah. no matter if you know Certain things if it gets robbed from you anyway, what was the point of knowing or if you're not skillful? It's not going to help you down in down your long-term future So it's not a matter of just knowing it's a matter of being skillful with using that and knowing the pitfalls and the plans And strategy of the devil to rob you because believe me anything that's important He has already got a plan uh, that you don't even know about to try to so we're going to talk a little bit about that but Elijah as you know, was, uh, you know, we can talk a lot about Elijah, but basically Elijah was a, he was the greatest prophet of his time and he protected the flow of God and his generation and where there was idolatry and witchcraft and Jezebel, which revelation says that spirit of Jezebel come back to the earth. It's still operating really on the earth, which is whoredoms and witchcraft. That's the spirit of Jezebel. People talks about Jezebel being a controlling wife. I'm not saying that that's not part of it, but that's not what Jezebel is about. Is a <laughs> controlling spouse. I don't why people to always t- say that. It's nonsense. She was a control freak, but that's not the point. The point is is that when Jehu went to, went to kill her, he said the whoredoms and the witchcrafts, she was into sexual immorality and had those prophets of the groves, if you study, they were grossly sexual immoral, and idolatry, uh, which is witchcraft. He said, he said your whoredoms and your witchcrafts, and that is what's happening in our generation. Right. Sexual perversion yeah. gone amok and witchcraft and, and things to do with that dark realm all over the place. So, you know, this man, Elijah, is standing against a great adversary, and we really are the same. Yeah, right. And where I come from, it's, it's the same as here and maybe worse. We really are standing against some things uh, in order to preserve righteousness. That's right. And he was the greatest prophet. The Bible says that he prepared a people, if you study it, you know, when, when Mount Carmel, he said to turn their hearts back to God. Yeah. And then they did. And he withstood kings. Ahab was an evil king. He stood him right to his face. You can read all that. That's not the point of this. There was a boldness about Elijah that, that, that the devil feared, Jezebel feared. And yet we know from James he was subject to like passions as we are. He got discouraged. At one point he wanted to die doesn't sound like a big faith man but I mean the point is everybody goes through stuff and this great man that we put on a pedestal is really just a man like you and I anointed of the Holy Spirit but he 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 represents something here and I'd like you to quickly turn to 2nd Kings chapter 2 verse 12 if you have your Bible 2nd Kings chapter 2 verse 12 and I just want to just very briefly oh Lord Lord I need to start a watch or something I don't know it's timer or something we don't want to go over after brother Richard keeps talking about people that are short will be invited back my God 2nd Kings chapter 2 verse 12 Um, now watch now this is when he goes up in the whirlwind in verse 12 and Elisha saw it and cried my father my father the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof Now, the message translation says that this way, my father, my father, you are the chariot and the cavalry of Israel. And if you study it in the original language, what he's really saying, he's not just talking about somebody else. He's saying, my father, you are the warrior of Israel. You are the chariot, the cavalry. You're the main deal. What he's really saying is you're the greatest. You're the greatest mentor, hero, prophet of our time. And he's recognizing Elijah's position in the spirit. And really, if we won't read it, but in 2 Kings 13 14, when Elisha was dying, Joash was the king. And Joash came and knelt beside Elisha, crying because he didn't want him to go. And he said the same phrase that Elisha said to Elijah He said, The, the horseman and the chariot thereof, my father, my father. So, really, what Joash was acknowledging was, You are. You, God has raised you up. I want to read what two theologians. I don't really read after theologians, but in this case I did. I just want to read two quotes. Uh, one theologian said, in the face of invading idolatry, God had declared war by raising up, quote, the chariot and horsemen of Israel to defend his glory, to uphold his word, and to demonstrate his power. Elijah was that warrior. Another theologian said, the chariot of Israel the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof that quote, denote Elijah's responsibility and position in the realm of the spirit. That's right. Amen. If you have an Elijah, you don't need an army because yeah. he can call down fire directly. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. In other words, I'm just simply saying he was the greatest prophet of his generation and he protected the flow of God in his generation. So I, this is important because we're going on a journey with me. Now we got another guy named John, John the Baptist. How could you look quickly at Malachi chapter four and verse five, just a couple verses and then I want to be verse heavy on this, but I just got to read some so we we can see what the scripture actually says. Malachi four, verse five, and it says here, behold, you're there, I'm faster than you, so can I just keep going? (laughs) Behold, I will send you, I will send you, this is Malachi, Elijah the prophet before the coming and the great dreadful day of the Lord. There you go. Elijah's already in the grave when Malachi wrote this. Right. So he's saying Elijah himself is not coming, but somebody's coming yeah. that represents Elijah. You see that in the scripture. Now this is where this phrase comes, Luke chapter 1, 16, if you'd be so kind. Luke chapter 1 and verse 16. This is Gabriel, and Gabriel is speaking to Zacharias. And in verse... Uh, 16, he says, and many of the children, he's talking to Zacharias about John the Baptist who's in the womb, right. and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Mm-hmm. Remember, Elijah turned the people back yeah. to God. That's right. And he shall go before him, yeah. who's him? Jesus, the Messiah. And he, John, shall go before him, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah. Right. That's where we get that phrase to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Remember, he said he was a man crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. John the Baptist uh, embodied the spirit of Elijah. He came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And it was so important to God that people recognized that this represents Elijah, that he even looked like Elijah. If you study it, Elijah, the Bible says, was hairy and he wore a a leather girdle, a belt around his waist. You can read that in the Bible. John wore camel skin. He obviously wasn't hairy enough on his own, so he had to go and get a camel suit. And the Bible says that he was out in the wilderness and he was in a preparation mode in his life because his assignment was great. It said he was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, but any one of us are greater than him because we are in the New Testament. But he had a camel's because he, he looked hairy. You know, people looked at him. He looked hairy. He had that leather girdle. He even looked like Elijah. It mattered that he even looked like him, and he sounded like him because he was coming in the spirit and power of him. Yeah. This is important, for, and there's a reason why this is important. Now have a look what Jesus himself said. If, if Can we just look at two statements of Jesus? Matthew 11, verse 13. Matthew 11 and verse 13. And Jesus said this, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you will receive it, meaning he knows not everybody's going to receive it. If you will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for to come. If Jesus knew, I'm going somewhere with this, if Jesus knew that when he said it, not everybody would believe it, then there's certain things that we may say that not everybody's going to believe. Right. Right. He said, if you can receive this, John is Elijah that was to come to prepare my coming. Right. The Jews even have a seat called the Elijah seat when they do their center, uh meals, because he's supposed to, he's supposed to proclaim the Messiah to come. And so Jesus said, if you'll receive it, he is. Now, the last one is Matthew 17, 12. Just go over a few chapters. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 12. And it says, "And Jesus answered and said unto them, verse 11, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah is come already. And they knew him not. In other words, they didn't pick up in the spirit what was going on. These religious people, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed or whatever they wanted. Likewise, also so that sh- shall the son of man suffer of men. So Elijah, uh, he 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 was this great prophet, and John the Baptist, as a forerunner of the first coming of Jesus, came in the spirit and power of Elijah. The angel Gabriel from the throne of God brought that phrase. God coined that phrase, not man. He said, he comes in the spirit, John, this baby hasn't been born yet, is going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. What does that mean? Have you ever thought about what that means? The spirit and power of Elijah. Break it into two sections. He comes in the spirit of Elijah and he comes in the power of Elijah. What is the spirit of Elijah? Well because we see how Elijah lived, the spirit of Elijah really is the spirit of faith. Elijah had the spirit of faith, bold spirit of faith. He would go against kings. He, he would go against Jezebel. They were searching him for him to kill him. He had a spirit of faith. Now listen, how can you have a spirit of faith if you don't know what faith is? You can only have a spirit of faith if you know faith. Do you understand? Otherwise, it's just excitement and emotionalism. He had the spirit of faith because he knew how to trust God. He was a man. He had failures. He had emotional ups and downs. But the point is that overall, uh, the general consensus of Elijah is that man knew how to trust God. That man knew how to believe God. That man knew how to hear God. That man knew how to flow in the Holy Ghost. In his generation, he had the spirit of faith. He had the message of faith. That's the spirit of Elijah. But he also had the power. He had the demonstration and manifestation of God in his ministry. And John was this, this forerunner that was coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. We got to, the reason I'm, there's a point, so just stay with me. The Bible says John was the greatest prophet, and he was the forerunner. And he prepared a people and turned their hearts back to God, just like Elijah did. And he withstood kings. Come on. Lost his head for it, but he withstood kings. Was martyred for it, but he withstood kings. He went right to, you know, he wasn't afraid of Herod. Yeah, come on or the floozy that he was with.
1: Right. He wasn't afraid. Right.
0: And neither was Elijah right. of the king or of Jezebel. Uh-huh. And he had a bold, fearless quality that John the Baptist had. So we see that. Now, if i just present a thought to you. If Jesus found it important to have a forerunner for the first time, he showed up, is there not supposed to be a forerunner for the second time he shows up? Because the second time is not less important than the first. He came as a lamb in the first, but as a he's coming as a lion in the second, and if he needed one before, I would I would venture to say that there's in the plan of God a forerunner for the return of Jesus. That's right, man. And this is where we come to a man named Kenneth Irwin Hagen. And this is where with that verse that Jesus said, if you will receive it. Because not everybody was going to receive what he said about John the Baptist. And not everybody today is going to receive what Jesus said about the second, the forerunner of his second coming. And I'm very cautious and hesitant to even say this because I know that not everybody watching and not everybody present may have the same mindset, (laughs) may have the same thought process. And, and, and I'm very cautious because my last, my last intention is to offend or to cause frustration or anything like that. But, but I'm just telling you, that's what the phrase I keep hearing in the spirit and power of Elijah. And the Lord said, now you just talk about that. Even if it's not polished, just talk about that. And uh, you know what that means because Elijah came, and then John came as the first forerunner, and then Dad Hagen came as the second forerunner. And not everybody likes that tough because it's the truth. And Dad Hagen went his whole life till 85, just before 85, July, 2001. If if other people can find it, please tell me. But I've searched. I mean, there's hundreds and thousands of sermons, so it's kind of hard to search every single one of them. But I have tried my best to find where did Kenneth Hagen ever talk about this publicly because he talked about it privately a number of times, but from a pulpit recorded on record. When did that happen? It's very hard to find. I can only find one recorded instance. Maybe there's more, but I'm talking about in a, like in a, in a, in a public venue, not in a private backroom venue. And that was July, 2001 camp meeting. And, uh, I I just, I don't normally do this, but because I don't want to just say it, I want you to hear him say it. It's only two minutes, but could you just listen to this clip, which unless there's others, there may be others that I'm not aware of, but it's the only public on record statement that I'm aware that he ever made about this. And it was almost before he went on into glory. Would you just listen to this? If they have that ready for a second,
1: you can play it. But mama said, mama said, well, your daddy had been gone. He finally now six years old left and never did come back. He had been gone. We had nothing to eat and I was carrying you and sick in fact they thought she had typhoid fever to begin with and so she said I finally said well I'll just because she said well if I make my bed hard I'll lie on it and she did I, I'll just, just swallow my pride and go, go home for help only live two blocks and I started down east Standard street and mama said I got there where Aunt Mary's house was and still is at the time she's talking. And she said, you know, there's not a tree in the yard. There's not a tree anywhere. I'm walking right down the middle of the, just, just a black dirt street at that time. Uh, 1917. I'm walking down the middle of the street. I heard this sound like wind blowing through leaves. I looked around. There's no trees. I looked up in the sky and I saw this white cloud. And it came down and stood in front of me. And Jesus stood on that cloud. And he said, Fear not, the baby shall be born, and thou shalt call his name. Mama said, What did he say? What did he say? You asked my wife. She jumped like he'd struggled What did he say? He called him. I said, He said, Call his name John. For as John the Baptist was a forerunner of his first coming, he'll be a forerunner to his second coming. I've never said that before. I wasn't permitted to say it before. But the Lord said tonight it's time to tell it. Amen. This ministry is not, I didn't say that. Now why? I'll tell you why. One reason why. This ministry is not built on personalities. I don't attract attention to myself. Never have, never will. Attract attention to Jesus. This ministry is not built on personalities. This ministry is built on purpose. Amen. Attention.
0: You understand like our hearts, we go with the word. We don't go with visions. We don't go with experiences. But in a situation of this magnitude... And I can't time. You got to listen to that yourself to hear the whole yeah. clip, because remember, you know, he Jesus appeared to him. Well, Jesus took him to heaven, to right. the throne of God, in September 2nd, 1950, and that's when he talked about, "I appeared to your mother," right. and told her to name you John, but but she didn't. Right. And then when he was talking to his mother, just a few days after that that experience. In early September, you know, he said to her, "Uh, the Lord appeared to me and told me that you were supposed to name me something and you didn't, evidently. And so she said, well, if you really had a vision from God, tell me what God told me to name you. Mm -hmm. And he said, John. And she said, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was explaining earlier in the sermon. He also explained, he said, this is such a precious and holy thing to me, he said. He said, you don't talk lightly about precious and holy things. And he said, he's obviously held that in his heart his entire life, his entire ministry, and didn't ever want to draw attention to himself. But God said, it's time to talk about it. Why did God say that, brother and sister? For us. He already knew it, but he had to make it public because if he never talked about it, if he never kind of said, this is what God showed me, even though he would probably be attacked by many people thinking that he was trying to promote himself or this or that or whatever else. But if you knew anything about Brother Kenneth Hagan, e. Hagin, he was not that kind of person at all. He would rather not say anything than say it. But God said it's time to say it. Yeah. And I just, I don't want to offend anybody, but I think for those of us that are in the lineage of this man spiritually. It's something that we need to be aware of. Because I've talked to people that are rhema people and they had no idea that that even existed. How is that possible? I don't know. But there are people that don't understand who Kenneth Irwin Hagen was. We're not doing hero worship, but we are showing honor because of what Jesus did through a man's life. He was, if I could be so, if you can receive it. Yes. <laughs> he was the forerunner of Jesus' second coming. Yes. He was, if you can receive it. Yes. I believe, just like John was, the greatest prophet of our generation, Kenneth Hagin, was. Yes. If you can receive it. Brother Hagin, if, listen, that's what I'm trying to say. If he was that, if he, if he was the forerunner, if that is true, it means that he also had to be in the spirit and power of Elijah because the first forerunner was. So there is a connection in my mind from Elijah and John the Baptist and Kenneth e. Hagin and if the first had the spirit and power the second had to have the spirit and power. And did he not prepare a people did he not have an assignment, teach my people faith? Yes. Did he not have the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of faith, the revelation of faith to teach our the God's people faith, to prepare us for his return? Why? Why? Because Jesus said, when I return to the earth, will I find faith? He had to prepare us in the message and the revelation of it. He's a forerunner with the message. Yep, that's it. A dear friend of mine in Mexico got a m- huge work, 2,000 churches, 29 people raised from the dead, miracles out of wazoo. I'm talking amazing work. They're having a Holy Ghost service of 1,000 people in the jungle, ho- running, r- dancing, drunk, stumbling, rolling, Holy Roller. I mean, a full out blown Holy Ghost service. And uh, Jesus appeared in person to his son. Not to the main guy, but the main guy's son. His name is Jody. I know him. He's my friend. And Jesus appeared to him in an open vision. And Jesus was watching the goings on. He was watching what was happening. And Jesus loves Holy Ghost services. (laughs) But what he loves more than Holy Ghost service manifestations is faith. But what he likes best is Holy Ghost services with faith because he wants the Holy Ghost services. He just wants faith. And that group didn't, didn't follow Dad Hagen, and they don't really understand faith the way we do. I'm not trying to bank us better. I'm just saying they just don't. I know they don't. And Jesus was looking around and he, turned, he had an annoyed look on his face. Jody told me, he told me this personally. And, he, and, and Jody was thinking, why does he look annoyed? I mean, this, this is the glory of God showing up here. This is God showing up here. And he looked annoyed, and he turned to walk away into the trees. And Jody grabbed him by his, he like, a, like a long thing on, he grabbed him. And Jesus turned to him, almost upset that he grabbed him. And he said, Lord, why are you leaving? We're, we're, we're honoring you here. We're, we're, we're having a Holy Ghost service here. And Jesus looked at him and said, there's no faith here. Wow. And he turned and walked off. Wow. That shows me it's not just... but we've got to have the flow of the Holy Ghost, but there's got to be faith because when he comes back to the earth, he's looking for faith. He's looking for a balanced thing of faith and the Holy Ghost, faith and the, faith and the flow. But there, you can't just have only one. There's a lot of ministers that only have faith, but they don't want any other, it's messy. They think it's messy. That's well, because they're controlling. And they can't control the service because the Holy Ghost might just do something that they don't understand. And so they only want the Word and they don't want the Spirit. And others, they just want all the all the wonderful. They don't have faith. They don't have the Word. And then they become strange and weird. We must have the manifestations, but we must have the Word. There's got to be a balance of the Word and the Spirit. And this is what Dad Hagen, I'm telling you, I'm not trying to put ear of worship, but he prepared a people. He prepared a people in that message. He had the spirit of Elijah, but he had the power of Elijah because he had that those manifestations and power flowed through his office in a balanced, that's what I love about him. He's like, I don't know what we call him, the apostle of faith, the apostle of balance. I don't know, but he's just the apostle of everything in my mind. And if you don't follow after him and if you don't study and if you don't read and if you don't listen, I would strongly urge you to maybe consider doing that because he'll bring balance. Yeah. And if you listen to how many times Brother Copeland, who is a general, like, like Ms. Reba said, a six-star general. You see how many times he references uh, that he's listening to Dad Hagen, And I, our, my spiritual father and mother were under him. And there is a lineage and a heritage here that we cannot forget, and that even if not everyone can receive it, the facts remain. He was a forerunner of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He turned to people 's hearts back to God, he affected what was the other aspect that he did uh, they, they would influence remember Elijah John withstood Kings well, Dad Hagen. Affected the politics whether people realize it or not he held things back in this nation He had a voice in the spirit on a national level. There is a parallel there to what John and Elijah did he had boldness like they did and There's were many wonderful ministers, but when you think about what he brought The faith walk, I mean that alone is is enough uh, the love walk Oh my That's changed my life hundred times over Our dominion, and this is just a short list, there's many more. The life of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, the prayer life, walking in the Spirit, the realm of the Spirit, the flow of the Spirit in services, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, the manifestations of the Spirit, the skill in His office, and as the prophet, as a teacher, as an apostle, understanding the local church. So few seem to talk about the importance of the pastoral office and the local church. And Dad Hagen brought that. He passed it 12 years. He should know. But he brought such a balance between the offices and the local church. The doctrine, the government of the church, the anointing, teaching us skillfulness. I mean, there's such a broad spectrum that he brought as a forerunner. And it must be once in a while declared. And not everybody had the privilege of Cindy Black and Pastor Nancy and Pastor Jose, Reverend Joe Siegel, and not everybody had the privilege of being around him. But you can know people after the spirit even if you never had the privilege of knowing them after the flesh. And I would venture to say that there are more sons today that knew him after the spirit, even though they never had the privilege of meeting him or spending quality time with him in the flesh. And that does not demean or diminish those of us that didn't have that opportunity. Because we've picked something up, we've recognized something, and we've recognized this forerunnership and this heritage that we stand in. Now, John, it was embodied in one person. He was the forerunner. The wonderful thing about Brother Hagin is he, it wasn't one person only. Brother Hagin started the revolution. He was the spark that lit the fire. Brother Hagen, he, he, he initiated, he ignited a movement. It, it didn't, this is what people don't understand. It didn't end in 2003. It did not end, that's where people, they miss it. They, they, they looked at him like, a, like this great thing that God brought to the body of Christ, but then when his time ended, they dismissed him. It did not end when he ended or changed addresses. Because a movement, an army, had been birthed. And can I present to you the possibility, if you can receive it, that just perhaps those that follow in that flow is a generation of forerunners. Could that possibly be? Because I don't know if you noticed, but he ain't here. And there's only us. And I don't mean that in a demeaning way, but... uh, Compared to people like him, you don't feel like, like much, but, but Lord, this is what you got to work with. And, and so if you can do nothing with nothing, then use, use us. Because we think we're not that great, but, but you, you can do great things. And if this man embodied this, see John was one human, but Dad Hagen represented a movement. It, it didn't end when he went home. It continued and built strength, and it is stronger today than it has ever been before because it's not as much about the person, it's about the message, and it's about protecting the flow. We must protect the flow. We must protect the spirit of Elijah and the power of Elijah because so many churches don't have that anymore. I don't know, Lord, if I'm saying it the right way. When Jesus said to him, it wasn't as important that you weren't named John. What I'm quoting now is earlier in the message. I don't have time to play it all. But he said, what is important is that you minister in the power of the Spirit. That's what Jesus said to him September 1950. It doesn't matter that much about the name. I wanted that name for you, but it doesn't really end the world. What is important, what matters is that you minister in the power of the Spirit. Why? Because it's the Spirit. The the spirit and power of Elijah is what the forerunner walks in. And if he was, and believe me, he was, and we are in that lineage, that means that we, this is what I'm trying to get to, we are to walk in the spirit and power of Elijah as a generation, a movement, an army of forerunners to return Jesus because Dad Hagen went, but we have picked up that baton, that mantle, so to speak. I don't know if you can see that. I, I, I don't know what you're thinking right now. Really, I don't care. But, but w- w- what, I'm, what I'm simply trying to say is that maybe you're more important than you thought you were. And I don't mean that as a pride issue. Maybe the fact that you're connected with this flow and not some other flow is not by coincidence or chance. Maybe you are supposed to be that Elijah in your city. Because we're in a short supply of Elijahs. We got Jezebels. We got Ahab's that yeah. want to eat and drink, and that want to be lazy, yeah. and that want to steal Naboth's vineyard, and that want to commit all kind of nonsense. But do we really have Elijahs? Yeah. Because if we do, why don't things look different? On, and I'm not trying to be emotional. I'm just telling you that's the way I think. Yeah. Things supposed to look different when Elijah showed up. Things look different. Yeah. And in our communities, and in our churches, and in our towns, and our cities, and our nations, uh, I'm sorry that we're the only ones that God can use, but we are the ones that God wants to use. And there is Elijah's on the earth today preparing a people for the return of Jesus, and you're it. Especially if you followed in the footsteps of Kenneth Irwin Hagen, because you've picked up that That remnant of that anointing, of that forerunnership. Hallelujah. So there was Elijah, and there was John, and there was Dad Hagen, and there is us. And he was the forerunner spark, and we are the forerunner flame. And he was the greatest of his generation, which means we've got the greatest responsibility in our generation. And he ministered in the power of the Spirit, and we are to do the same. And he protected the flow of the Spirit, and we must do the same. Hallelujah. Not every minister protects the flow. Not every minister engages in the flow. I, I'm not trying to bring any negative, I'm just saying if you look around, not everybody is flowing in that the power of the Spirit and the Holy Ghost kind of movement with the message of faith. Usually it's one or the other, but not very rare to find both. And that are having it in a balanced approach. And some that have touched it have walked away from it because they were persecuted. This is too precious. It don't matter if you're persecuted. If this is the Elijah, if this is the forerunner flow of the word and the spirit, strong local churches, the message of faith and the move of the Holy Ghost, if that's what it is, it don't matter what people think, Don't matter what people say. Our job is to be bold and have a forehead like Flint and say, I'm doing it. And I'm sorry, I'm just a young whippersnapper, but I look around and I don't see too many people doing that. And that's why the and they don't, they don't, Pastor Bobby doesn't even want me to say this, but I, I have to. That's why this company, this flow, this family is so precious because they don't only know the flow, they have protected the flow, and they continue in that flow, which is so needed in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If he was skillful ministering to his nation. You say, but I'm not a prophet. Who, who am I? And rightfully so, we should think that way. But I got to tell you something. With the way this is going, God can't use Dad Hagen. So he's got to use somebody else, even if we're not as great. But if we're in that lineage and if we're picking up that mantle and if we're renewing our minds, not to be proud, but to realize who we are, uh, should we not have influence? Should we not make changes? Is that not what Dr. Bill Winston last year started to allude to? Why are things happening? Where is the church? Where is the church? Where is their voice? Why aren't we turning things? Why are we just letting things wash over us like a tsunami when we can stand and say, no! No! Oh my God. So I, <laughs> so I went over to Israel last month in the war and they tried to shoot a plane down. They thought it was my plane at first. The past, pastor, Israel, pastor Israel, are you here? I don't know if you're here right now. Where is Pastor Israel? Would you stand up, sir? This is a wonderful pastor in Israel, in Ashdod. And he's just a precious man of God and a, a man of faith. Standing in that holy land, upholding righteous standards against, amidst great persecution. And there was a lot of stuff that happened. It was, it was a good trip. God sent me there, and we encouraged their church and an Arabic church and, and different things. But, uh, you know, we, at one point, we went down. God gave us favor to get through all the checkpoints, and, uh, which we're not really supposed to get to because I'm not an Israel Defense Force soldier. We had two of them in the car with us. And Pastor Kotov's son-in-law was in the car with us. And, uh, and, and, and Yaakov, the soldier, said, I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and he said, listen, he said, sometimes the generals or the colonels, high-ranking colonels, they'll come through in their, in their civilian clothes just to inspect. They always sit in the passenger seat. He said, so just act like you're better than everybody. <laughs> just, just, just look like, like, like you don't like them. Just. So he said, so I'm going to the checkpoint, and I'm talking about hundreds of soldiers, tanks, armored vehicles, everything, right on the Gaza border. Yeah. And they're, and they're all staring, staring at me. as I just, I just looked like, what are you, what are you looking at? I just, I just did the arm thing, you know, like I'm a general. And he, and he looked at me and he said, you kind of look maybe like a colonel. I'm not sure. So I'll just tell him you're part of my unit. We got right down to that fence where Hamas broke through 400 of them and slaughtered all those people in the kibbutz. And the anointing of God came on us. And we, and we could hear the bombs. You could see the smoke, the missiles. I mean, it's right there, less than two kilometers away. And you can smell the smoke of the, of the bombs in the artillery. I mean, it's that, it's that tangible. And the anointing came on us to pray. Yes. Because you deal with these things in the spirit. Yes. Those precious soldiers are fighting with guns, but we, we as Elijahs, we have authority in a realm that they know nothing of. Yes. Now listen, this is the cool part. While we're praying at that gate, my wife is praying at home with a group of people, praying for the trip, our protection, etc. And she has a vision. And she, <laughs> she has a vision, and she sees a tunnel. She don't know nothing about nothing. She just sees a tunnel, a large tunnel that you can drive trucks through. And she knows by the Spirit she's seeing a Hamas tunnel. And there's weapons and different things. And the Lord says, you, your angel that stands beside you, send him out to reveal that tunnel. So she sent that angel out. Three days later, they found the tunnel. It was on the news. So, large you could drive trucks through it. Then then she has a second vision and she's in in intercession. The Lord opens her eyes in the spirit and she sees a Hamas soldier that is testing weapons, AK-47s and the like, testing weapons and they're working. But then she sees another angel and the Lord says, that ain't, now this is strange, but I'll just say the way she said it. That angel has sticky fingers. That's what God said to her. Tell that angel to use his sticky fingers. She saw that angel putting his fingers in the charging mechanisms of the, of the guns. And they would try to shoot and they, and they would backfire. They wouldn't work. And she saw this man angry and frustrated. It works, but then when they get out to shoot, it doesn't work. And he was throwing the weapons against the wall and a whole stack of unused weapons because they don't work, but they do. And she saw him talking to the commanding officer of Hamas saying, I don't know what's going on. When I test them, they work, but when we get outside, they don't. Now, Israel is not a perfect nation. They do many things I'm sure. I mean they're not they're not a they're not born again, they're not they're they're people. But the one thing you've got to get on the right side of is not whether Israel is perfect or not. The one thing you've got to get on the right side of is God has a plan for that nation in the end days. His hand is still on them. It is a church age, but he has not forgotten them. He did not forget about them in the 67 war. He did not forget about them in the 73 war. He did miracles then, and you can read stories on the internet about it. Our angels would deliver them and appear. Why? Because of what Brother Copeland said so masterfully. It's his land. God owns that land. And he will defend them to the uttermost. Whether they're perfect, politically or not, God owns that land and that is his land and he is going to defend those people. And I'm not against anybody and we're not I'm just telling you that God is going to stand on the side of Israel every time. Now the reason I say that is to say, what could we accomplish if we could just get in the spirit more? The spirit and power of Elijah is—it's the spirit, it's the spirit of faith, but it's the manifestations of power that go with that, with that anointing, that flow. What could we do, brother and sister? When when brother Bill Winston said that last year, I felt like a, f- a l- flame be lit on the inside of me. He stirred me to think, we're not just useless. We're not just, we don't have to just stand by. If we recognize who we are in humility, and if we get in the spirit and pay the price to get in the spirit, only God knows what he can do through us. And those little things, not little things, big things, but I mean, that's just a taste. That's a taste. We can turn wars. We can adjust decisions of governments because we get in the Spirit. Pastor Nancy, I, I won't say who because I don't know if she wants me to, but, but I was with her in a service with you, Pastor Terry. And she was dealing with a politi- political situation. And she got in the Spirit. And she dealt with that. And exactly what she said came to pass. And that would have affected the long-term future of this nation. I was in a prayer meeting recently. There was a, I saw a woman in the Spirit wearing a pantsuit. I saw her face. I saw her hair. I saw everything. I didn't know who she was. I don't follow politics, but I could recognize her. And the Lord said, she is going to strip the Canadian church rights. Now speak to her. But I was in the spirit because it takes time to get in the spirit by praying. And I did. And then I said to my staff, bring me every female politician in Canada. I'll recognize her when I see her, but I don't know who she is. And when they brought me the list, I said, that's the one right there. See that one right there? That's her. That's who I saw. She's the leader of one of the most leftist, extreme leftist parts of our government that are trying to literally shut churches down, make every church sign a homosexuality clause that you accept them and that they're equal or you can't have a church. She's leading that movement in Canada. But the church, but the church. They don't know who we are. Come on, they don't know who we are. Hallelujah. And you know why? Because we don't know who we are.
1: If we knew who we were, we would do more.
0: I don't know much about your people here, but I saw in the spirit, I had to look up. I didn't, I saw, I heard the Holy Ghost say Newsom. Yeah. Newsom. I said, who's, that? I don't know who that is. He said, look it up, Newsom. Yeah. I looked up and saw a guy named Gavin Newsom, yeah, yes. who apparently is yes. the governor here. Pastor Debbie, is he a good governor? No. See, she'll tell me the truth. <laughs> We're on live stream. I won't, I won't talk about it. But I got in the spirit of my hotel room. Yeah. I saw some things. And I said, Lord, who am I? I'm, I'm a foreigner. Who am I? Talk to somebody who lives here. But he said, say this and say that. But you see, you can't do that if you're not in the spirit and you don't have to be in the office of the prophet. God uses them more and greater, but God will use anybody that prays to a lesser measure, to a lesser degree, but he'll use anybody that prays. In other words, don't just push it off to the ministers and you be lazy. Anybody that prays can accomplish certain things for God. That's right. The reason we don't do more is because we don't know who we are. We don't know that we're the forerunnership generation. We don't know that we hold the spirit and power of Elijah. We don't know that angels work with us. We know, but we don't really know. Because if we knew it like we really should know it, we would do more than what we do. I'm telling you. I hope I'm not offending anybody, but I... Lord, have mercy. We love... We we bless the government. We bless them. I'm not... I don't want to be arrested at the airport. I just. (laughs) But you stand against righteousness. You've got a much bigger problem than if people vote for you or not. You've got the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And most churches don't know nothing. But this church does. Devils are afraid of churches like this. He's afraid of people like us. And of leaders like this. He is, whether you believe it or not. I, I don't know if, I, if it's Jenny. Just throw something at me if I'm making not sense. Because she, she's my. So you can yell at her because she said to keep going. Now, now listen, we are that forerunnership. We are. We have a measure of that spirit and power of Elijah. We do. We can do things if we will just yield to it. But what's the point? I'm just a very practical fellow. What is the point of all of that? <laughs> if they get stolen from you anyway. What is the point of it if you can't be skillful with it? It don't matter that you're this generation, that you've got this kind of ability and power and anointing and that you're, that you can do things. What's the point if you don't? Everybody wants to talk about what can be done. I want you to tell me, please, how I can actually do it. Because the devil, you don't think he notices? You don't think he knows? You think he's just going to sit back? And that people like, like Noel and Ruby pray and change the course, even of politics? You think he's just ignorant? He's smarter than you. So he has some strategies. There are many. I'm only focusing on one or two. But he has some strategies, even though he knows who we are. He knows the threat we are. But if he can just cause us to step a little bit here. There's a mind there. Cause us to step a little bit here. There's a mind there. It don't really matter who you are. If you never accomplish it anyway, it didn't matter we need to really be very circumspect and skillful to say, Lord, it's not just who we are and what we have. It's how do we skillfully do this and where are the danger zones? And, and this is the, I'm not going to take as long on the second as I did the first, but I just want to, I want to say something. This, this is a, a very important statement. If you want to flow the way God wants you to flow as this generation, that's going to return Jesus to the earth. And he really is, Kenneth Goblin said it over and over, he's coming soon, and he is coming soon. And we need to be thinking about that more. We need to be realizing that this time is short. And if we're going to accomplish the plan in this short time, i got to say something that's very important. It's not just that you are this generation and that you have the spirit and power of Elijah. It's that you are around the individuals and the leaders and the generals that know more than you in how to flow and move in this anointing. Because let me tell you, you don't know nothing like Dr. Like Dr. Norval Hayes would always say, you don't know nothing unless you're taught. You may have it positionally but if you but if you're not taught you can't experience it. And the only way to learn is to be around people that have it. And you know what that requires? Humility. Because if you think you're all that and that you're the big cheese with your big ministry and your big head, you will never truly submit in humility to generals around you that you may be physically older than perhaps but you are not experientially older than. And I'm telling you, it don't matter how great what you've been given is, if you can't use it, if you don't know how to use it, if you're not skillful in using it, and the only way to do that is to be in proximity to those that do. And there's not that many people today that do. And you think I'm just saying this because, I don't know the defrain, I don't know what you think. The defrains this, the defrains that DeFrayans don't ask me, to do nothing, because they're not like that. But the ones that know, I'm telling you, Pastor Nancy knows this flow. She knows more than what people think she knows. I've had the privilege to be around her and to listen and to keep my big yap shut and listen. Half the problem is everybody's talking instead of listening. She don't want to know your vision. You need to know her vision. Well, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, like Dr. Samuel. Huh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Dr. Dufresne told me he was sitting right beside him when this minister is spouting off. Young ministers need to learn their place. And their place is to listen and not think that what you're doing, albeit great in your mind, uh, there's somebody of higher caliber. Come on. Come on. See, nobody likes that kind of preaching, Pastor Mitch. But that's the preaching that gets you skillful with the spirit of power of Elijah. You, you got There's got to be a submissive humility. And if you're not around it, brother and sister, if you're not around it, if you're not around it, I don't have time to read it all. Let me just say, I just was thinking, this is not an exhaustive list by any stretch, but I just off the top of my head, I've been amazed at what God is doing and how he's drawing people from around the globe to these meetings. Pastor Felix and Brigitte. New, new couple, pastor church in Congo, flew all the way here, they're here this morning, wow. to be around it. Yep. Wow. Pastor Gene from Kenya, Reverend Sheila from Brazil, Pastor Israel from Israel, yeah. this precious pastor and his wife from Estonia, Pastor Walter from Nigeria, Pastor Silas from Pakistan, and that's just all I could think of what I was shaving. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably another 25 or 30 names that could be said. And and I'm just amazed they got on a plane. It used to be I came the longest. No more. What a joke, Canada being the furthest away. People are realizing and listen to me and you precious ones, I'm not trying to be mean, but you better listen. If you've got some brains, you better listen. It's not enough to watch. You can't get it by watching. You've gotta be present. You gotta be around. There's things you get by being in the room that you cannot get through a screen. There's some things you get, but a lot of this is caught. It's not taught. You gotta be around, you gotta be around, you gotta be. A- don't tell me you live too far because you don't live in the Congo. Don't tell me it's inconvenient or it's too expensive. Oh, I don't mean to get him upset, Lord. And the Lord said to me, if you're Elijah's generation, watch what his spiritual son did so you'll know what you can do. Are you listening? We've got an example in a guy called Elisha. Now, we are the Elijahs, but we should act like Elishas. Are you listening? I don't have time to read because I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to quote it, but it's all in 2 Kings 2. And I just said a simple list. What did Elisha do? Well, 2 Kings 3.11 says that he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Which means he served him, which means he did menial things, which means he wasn't just, well, if I don't be the preacher, his heart was to serve. And theologians say he served him for seven to eight years before that mantle came. Number two, he stayed close to him. Fifty prophets watched, but one stayed close. What was he doing? Positioning himself for the double portion. What is the double portion? The maximum possible. You can't be close by watching a screen. I'm sorry, Pastor Morgan, I know people don't like it, but they're lazy, (laughs) and they're cheap. (laughs) Dr. Dufresne sold his house to get to a meeting, and here we are saying we can't afford a plane ticket. Put it on your credit card and use your faith to pay it back. Because you don't know what you're being robbed of by not being around the Elijah. You are, but you've got to act like an Elisha if you're ever going to take your place in the Spirit. There's got to be a serving heart. There's got to be a closeness. Oh, my God, my God, my God. The, my favorite is this one, uh, not offended. Because everybody wants to be mardi Oh, you're doing a great job. I don't see Elijah telling Elisha he was doing a great job. In fact, he said, I don't want you. I don't want you here. Go. Leave. Stay. Do. Play chess. I don't care. I'm going. And the man of God, Elisha, had to recognize he's the greatest. He's my divine supply. And you don't have to encourage me. In fact, when he threw the mantle on him, when he was plowing, he said, I've got to go back and say bye to mommy. And he said, I don't care what you do. There was no encouragement. Today we have made a generation of wimps where everybody needs some kind of word and some kind of prophecy and some kind of you're doing good. I don't see Elijah telling Elisha that he was doing anything other than shut up and pour the water. Now listen, it was a test for Elisha. Right. Because if he needs that, he'll yeah. never make it. That's right. But when he has settled in his heart, yeah. my divine connection. Yes.
1: I don't care what the 50 do. No, sir.
0: And they picked things up. They knew he was going. That's right. They knew he was special, but they weren't around. That's right. Don't matter how special that you know she is. Yeah. If you ain't around, it don't count for nothing. Right. Show up. I never saw anybody play on a basketball team that didn't come to practice. I'm not, listen, this is not emotionalism. I'm not trying to be emotional. I am, but I'm not trying to be. I'm really not trying to be. I wish I could say it calmly, but it doesn't come out calmly by the anointing. It just doesn't. See, if Dr. Summer was here, he would say, shame on us. No, nobody would want Doctor Semmel today. Come on, come on. Dad Hagen left. I know he said I wouldn't go. I'm go. I'm satisfied. But he also said to Doc Gordon, they don't listen to me. So part of me wonders. Maybe he just got fed up. Maybe people listen to him more. He had six years of flowing in the Holy Ghost services. You know how many people withstood him? Even staff members, because they don't want the flow of the power of Elijah they got no right to say that. they got no right to discourage. Keep your mouth shut. Do what the Elijah's doing. Follow suit. Be an Elisha. No opinion. No opinion. Where you go, I go. And even staff members did not support him. I know because I know people that were on staff that have told me that. Don't get offended. What did he say? You stay here. But he said, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I shall not leave thee. Where is that in the body? Oh, God. And what else did he do? Number four, don't get distracted. He said, God, keep your eyes on me, buddy. And that big chariot and horse and all that distraction, but he kept his eye. You see, with all the voices out there, you got to know where your supply is and keep your eye. you got to keep, you can't be distracted. you got to have a servant heart. You've got to stay close, which requires proximity physically. You've got to not be offended, and you've got to not be distracted. (laughs) And people don't even need spectacular opportunities to be distracted. Elisha had a fire horse and a fire chariot to be distracted. That's pretty spectacular. If anybody was justified, it would be him. But he would have disqualified from the higher anointing, the double portion. Today, people don't even need a spectacular distraction. They just need to feel tired. They just need to see, well, my budget is $400 in the economy ticket. The base economy ticket, the cheapest, cheapest that I can possibly buy is $430. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to Holy Ghost meetings. Well, that's not a very spectacular distraction, is it? But it's still a distraction. But I'm busy. I've got something going on in my ministry. Well, maybe Lot should have fired his herdman instead of leaving Uncle Abraham. Maybe you should cancel what you've got planned. To be around your Elijah. I know people don't like this, but it's the truth. If we're going to be... People of this perverted generation that operate in the spirit and power of Elijah, that is a very tall order. We've got to be around those that know it. Praise God. The devil fears. Now let me just say one thing. I've got five minutes and 34 seconds, so just I'm going to make the most of every second. But Matthew chapter 8, I just want you to see this, just for a second, and then I'll close. Matthew chapter 8. I'm not trying, oh my God. Oh Jesus, I'm not trying to make anybody mad or hurt, or frustrated. But I know Wigglesworth said, if you don't get a reaction, you're a failed preacher. Matthew chapter eight, I just think there's a lot of uh, wishy-washy, willy-dilly, opinionated, uh, and we expect to be Elijah's? My God, we don't even deserve to be the servant we got to change the way we think. And we got to be around those that know it. That's right. Because we have the privilege like so few other companies do that actually has somebody that knows it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Matthew chapter 8. You know, the centurion story. Let me just start. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. But speak the word only that my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I said, this one go and he goes, come and come. And my ser- okay, you know the story. I don't have to go. But I want you to notice two things. Now listen to me. Listen to me. There is something called military discipline. Now, I won't read it for sake of time because I don't have five minutes and 34 seconds right now. But I just quoted to you 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. Well, actually, it's too good not to read. So I'll just quickly read that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Listen to what Paul said of you. Thou endure... Therefore, hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. We want to please Jesus and not be entangled with the busyness of this life because we are to endure hardness against our flesh, against our pride, and we are to do this Elijah, this Elisha things by serving and being close and not being offended and not being distracted and recognizing our divine supply. We've got to do that. And he called us soldiers. So, this is scriptural to say that we're soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Now, we got a soldier story here in the centurion, and just very simple two things. He said, one, I'm a, first of all, I'm not worthy that you come into my Second of all, he says, I'm a man under authority. I want you to notice something here. I never saw this before. I've never heard anybody say this before, but I heard the Holy Ghost say this to me very clearly. And this, this is what he said to me. He said, first of all, did you notice culturally, The Jews said, The Gentile is not worthy to come under my roof because Gentiles were unclean. Gentiles never for a moment thought they were unworthy to go under a Jew's roof because they're better than the Jews and they're the dominators. Do you understand? So you never see a Gentile, a Roman, saying, I'm not worthy to come to you. You see the Jews saying, You're not worthy. I I can't come under your roof because You know, you're not worthy of me. But I want you to notice that this centurion, because he understood military discipline, military submission, military type humility. This man, and this is a very important principle, he recognized Jesus was his divine supply. And instead of going with the cultural trend of his society that said, I've got no problem. I'm better than you. He agreed with Jesus' thought process, so even though it violated the Roman thought process. And he said, because he knows, because you feel that I'm, that, that you, know, you shouldn't come under my roof because, because you're not worthy. I'm going to agree. Listen to me. There's a revelation here. I'm going to agree with your revelation. And I'm going to say the opposite to what my nation says. And I'm going to say, I'm not worthy. Yeah. Jesus, you don't have to come because it would offend. it would not be right for you to come. It's not, it's not according to your law. It's not according to your way of thinking. It, it, I need to think the way you think. Yeah. Are you listening?
1: Yeah.
0: How many ministers over the years? Well, I don't really like the way they do things at that, at that service. Well, I, I don't feel comfortable. That's not the way I do it. Yeah. Maybe it's not about the way you do it. Maybe it's about you saying, I'm gonna submit to the culture that my divine supply has set. There are X factors and nuances and everybody's got their own little bit of processes and different way of thinking and different way of handling. But do you realize that there's something far more valuable than whether you like everything exactly the way it goes. It, It matters that you're around it, not that you agree with every little tiny nuance. Doctor was at my church and a minister in Toronto that had a fairly well name in the word of faith circles came. And doctor, we had a dinner for all the ministers in the back room and doctor was sitting at my table with a couple of the people that he felt comfortable with. And that minister was there and doctor come and, he, and, and, and Mitch, uh, whoever it was, drove him to the hotel. And that man, he's much older than me and he's got some reputation in our city. And he came up to me and goes, who does he think he is? Now you talk about my dad like that, you're going to find a different side of me, buddy. And I, I stood toward him and I said, who, who are you referring to?
1: Come on.
0: He said, that Dr. Dufresne. And I said, what exactly is your problem? Yeah. Because you're a guest in my church.
1: Yeah, come on. That's right.
0: And he said, well, he didn't come and walk around the tables. He didn't shake my hand. He didn't make me feel welcome. Wow. Oh, I looked at him and I said, maybe you should go home yeah. Yeah. and don't come back. Because with that attitude, you're not going to get anything from his office anyway. Because all you're thinking is how you would do it and how you don't like the way he's doing it. And if you realized who you had in your midst, you would not think about that. What you'd think about is, let me get something. So it doesn't matter the nuances and the differences and the processes and all the things that our opinion and da da da, da, da. What matters is that like the centurion, we say... Uh, I'm gonna think the way you think, yes. not yes. the way I think yes. in my culture. Yes. A lot of cultures, we are having people from all different cultures. A lot of cultures might be a little bit whatever, but you just gotta go with the culture of this place, yes. the culture of this house. Yes. And then lastly, a man under authority, listen, every every military officer has to be under authority, or you can't. Even the yes. private is under authority. Right. Now, not everybody has authority in the military, but the, the more you're faithful, the more you're going to be able to get authority. He said, I'm a man under authority, and then I have soldiers under me. In other words, every person has to have somebody in authority. Now, in the body of Christ, unlike the military, the five-star general reports to the president. There's no other military office above him. But in the church, we don't report to the president. So when you get to the five-star general status, there are some folks in that place, they report directly to Jesus. But you're probably not one of them. And if you think you are, then I can guarantee you, you're not one of them. Because the vast majority of us are are privates or sergeants or corporals or whatever we are. And we're told that we're soldiers. It's a military thing in the Bible. And we need to recognize who we have And we need to be under that authority. And under that authority means if I could just repeat what Elisha did, because this is really militaristic. Just put that picture on the screen as I close, and I am closing. Uh, Just if you don't mind, I just, uh, I want you to see, we went there, Pastor Israel and I, they'll get it up in a second. And uh, we were able to go and visit some precious uh, Israeli soldiers. And, uh, and And I had this privilege of watching them train. And this is in the West Bank. We needed a military escort to get in there because it's very dangerous. And, and there, this is a Jewish community, and they're all there, and they train every day, and they're on high alert because Hamas comes over even in the West Bank on a weekly basis. And this man in the bottom, those are his kids. It was his day off, so he's not in uniform. I don't want his kids' identities to be seen. But he said, I have to put this on my face because he is the, on the top most wanted list of Hamas. He is a commander, one of the highest commando unit leaders in all of Israel. And he just happened to be there when I showed up. And he just happened to like Pastor Israel and I. And he just happened to spend an hour talking to us privately. Telling us a whole bunch of stuff about the war or whatever. But what, that's not the point. The point is, so he said, I, you can't show my face because I don't know. They're looking to kill me. But that man, I watched him. Now I can't, I took video, they didn't want me to because he didn't have his mask on thing. And he's not not allowed to see his face. But I I tell you something, it was such a privilege. Watching these men train. And I heard the Holy Ghost while they're doing this. I heard him say, that's what your church is supposed to look like. And then I heard him say, and that's what ministers under Pastor Nancy is supposed to look like. (laughs) And and let me just just say this uh, as the last couple statements, they, in that three hour, two and a half, three hours that were there, we talked to all of them. And, and, and you should hear the way they talk. His name is, uh, I won't say his name. Oh, but right. the, you should hear the way they talk about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll just call him Yakov. Yeah. His name is not Yakov. <laughs> the, the hallowed tones. Yeah. Right. He, he, he's our hero. They would whisper to me almost. They were so, they were so touched and impressed by this man. He saved our life. Every one of them, he'd save their lives. He saved our life in battle. We'd go anywhere for We'd die for him. You'd understand he's a hero of our country. Uh, over all these wars in 22 years, he said, not that this is the goal, but you know, he's, he's been responsible for so many victories. A- and they recognized him. They recognized him. We need to recognize who has saved our life yes. not just jesus he's our first and prince and our king and our master but he gave us somebody with skin on he gave us an elijah to train us we need to recognize yep.
1: Yep. that's right
0: we do yep. and so many people they don't seem to recognize yep. and they realize this is listen listen we need to think militaristically right. they realize this is a life and death thing soldiers are killed every day in that country and what he's doing to train us will make the difference whether we live or whether we die. And, and, and it's, Pastor Nancy, it, it was a start, this is the most amazing thing. I mean, he was showing them, you know, with all their guns. And he would say, now listen, when, when you're under fire, and, when, and he's giving them scenarios. And he's saying, now, this is what you do when your gun jams, what you got to do it without looking at the gun. And then he says, now this is where you you know you don't put you don't put the 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 magazine there. You gotta put it here because you gotta do it without looking at the gun. And he says when it jams, this is what you do. And then and then and he's showing them these moves, what you do under fire. And then at one point, he says, they all get in a circle. And they've all got their guns up. And, and he doesn't have his mask. That's why, you know, I can't show the video. But he's, he's, he's got his hands behind his back. And he's looking at them. It's the most amazing thing. I've never seen anything like it. And they're just so focused. They look eye to eye. And he's moving. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a choreographed, I don't know what do you call it. But they're moving. And, and then he'll give them orders. And he'll go, huh? Ah, and he'll say something in Hebrew. And they all are down on their knees. And they say, huh, ah, And they all change their magazine. Ah, and then they're all down on their stomach. Ah, and then, And they're all Doing it in perfect unity, wow. and they're moving, and it's like he's moving, and he's going and then, he, and then when one person he, he yells at him, "No, that's not how you do. You'll die. If you do that. Do it again." And then afterward, because he was pretty rough, sure. and I said, "How do you guys feel?" And they said, "What do you mean? How do we feel?" Yeah. And I said, "Well, you know, he came down on you pretty hard when you dropped your gun. Say it. You dropped your magazine, I should say." And he said, well, "What do you mean? There is no feelings." Oh. He said, he's training me. He's my hero. He is saving my life by yelling at me. I must, and listen, nobody did it on video. He didn't train them on the internet. If they didn't show up to the training, there was no eye contact. It was the most amazing thing. And I heard, I mean, the Lord took me there even just for that. Our ministry bought them bulletproof vests better than the, what the Israeli army buys them We bought them food and all these different things. We were sewing, We were telling them about angelic protection. we were preaching Jesus to them But so we were there on a spiritual purpose, but I think a bigger purpose almost was just for me to see it And for the Holy Ghost say that is militaristic humility and submission and that is what my church does not understand everybody has a feeling and offense Well, she yelled at me. It's not my fault I dropped the magazine. Well, maybe you won't say that when they're shooting at you through the bushes. I'm not trying to get on anybody's bad side. I'm just saying, if we want to flow in this kind of power, (laughs) the one way we won't do it is if we're not around. And the second way, even if we are around, but then we start falling into traps. Like getting offended. Like getting distracted like deciding that I don't need to go this time. Uh, I'm not trying to be see people accuse me you're extreme. well I'm sorry, but where I'm going in the world is extreme. What I face in Canada is extreme and what you're facing here if you just open your eyes and look, you don't realize you're in an extreme battle and we need extreme power and you don't become a co, you don't become a commando unit operative by acting like just a general little soldier. You've got to think different. You've got to be around the training. You've got to receive the correction. I loved it when he said that. What do you mean, how do I feel? He was almost like, like, are you stupid? Are you an idiot? And I says, well, I'm just wondering. I mean, he kind of yelled at you, and I mean, you know, might have hurt your feelings. I'm a soldier. They're trying to kill us. He is helping me win. I don't care if he hits me, slaps me, beats me. He can do whatever he wants to me because he is my hero. God, he doesn't say God, but they've given him to me to train. Brother and sister, we've been given a precious gift in people like Pastor Nancy and Brother Roberts and Jesse DePlantis tonight and these other men. We've been given these gifts to the body of Christ to train us. But if you can't show up, you don't get it. And if you get offended when you do show up or distracted, you don't get it. But if you get it, oh, my God. Watch out, devil. Watch out because the, the generation of forerunners is rising in the spirit and power of Elijah. Heavenly Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Let it stir them to action. Let him not be offended with hard words. Because, Father, it's going to take a strong backbone, a renewed mind, uh, controlled thinking, right thinking about military training. We're going to have to be the centurion. We think the way the house thinks, not the way our culture thinks. And we are under authority, and we will do whatever it takes under that authority to be honorable and to be faithful because we are being trained. For the greatest job in the world. Lord, these congregation members are being trained by their pastors. These ministers are being trained by our Elijah. Pastor Nancy and the ones that she calls alongside her. That's why we come to these training sessions with our weapons. That's why we come here is to be trained. And we are being trained. Brother Copeland has helped train us. Brother Roberts has helped train us. Tonight, our training continues with another general. We are so grateful, Father. And when they all leave, we have, in my opinion, the greatest one that's still here. Because Pastor Nancy knows this flow, and she's guarded this flow, and she's faithful to this flow, and she's teaching us how to flow in this flow. I thank you, Father. Let this be like a great strength on the inside of them. Where tweaks and changes need to be made, adjustments need to be made, let him make them. And Father, let us, let us fulfill this, this training mission that we have as soldiers in the, in the army of the Lord. And we are so grateful and we love you. And we're so grateful for Dad Hagen. We're so grateful for what you used him to do. And he was the spark and we are the flame. Millions of us around the world, bringing the message of the Word and the Spirit, in the spirit and power of Elijah as forerunners for Jesus. We give you glory and praise and thanks in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at Ministries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store.
1: This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.